The book was better. Okie dokie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Book Was Better podcast. My name is Kaylee Clark. And I'm Taylor Colette. And today is um, our first episode of October, so happy spooky season. Woot woot. I love spooky season. I celebrate all month long. I love Halloween. Second favorite holiday. I'm indoctrinating my children. My husband probably hates it. (laughs) My five-year-old and three-year-old request to watch Nightmare Before Christmas all the time now. And uh, I'm all for it. It's one of my favorite movies. You love that one. The music in that movie is amazing. How dare anybody disagree with that? I can get like maybe Claymation is not your style or like maybe Tim Burton's not your style. But like the music in that movie is good. And you can't deny it. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. But um, I've also been playing Kingdom Hearts with my girls. <laughs> oh, I love that one. And I have it on like the easiest setting so that my five-year-old yeah. can actually play yeah. it. <laughs> You'd and, need to. Uh, my three-year-old just holds hard. a controller that's not connected to anything. But she just goes, I'm controlling Donald. And I go, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. And um, Olivia, my, my five-year-old, she plays... And then we get to either a mini boss or a boss. And she just goes, ah, and like gives me the controller. <laughs> that game, just, I got stuck at multiple spots in that game. So well, we're playing the second one. So we already played the first one, which was, while nostalgic for me, difficult because I just remembered that they, they added a little bit more nuance to how you fight in the second one. Mm-hmm. Which is which makes it more fun, and yeah, in the first one, it's literally just button smashing, yeah, and running yeah, around. <laughs> so, so it's hard to like have any skill when it comes to certain um, like battles, because you're just like, how fast can I push the button? Like, how quick can I run? Yeah. Whereas it's, in the in the second yeah. game, um, there's a lot more abilities that you can equip, right? So that you can dodge and roll and block and you have like the triangle commands which are more interesting but today actually we were playing and we were in nightmare before christmas world and my my girls got a good kick out of that they thought that was real funny and it's just we got to the part where you had to fight like the little boss it wasn't even the main boss it was the mini boss and Liv just like freaked out and like gave me the controller and i was like you've been doing totally fine until now it's on the easiest setting like it's kind of hard to <laughs> die like <laughs> well that's what i love i love games like i think like mario might do it or sonic i don't remember no mario odyssey the new mario odyssey yeah, has like a where guidance you can't mode. die i'm like that's, that's genius what, they've been playing that with dad yeah so there, because we we watched the trailer for the new Mario movie. Have you seen that yet? Oh yeah, I have. What are your I thoughts? actually think it looks better than I was expecting. The bar was, to be fair, on the ground, so <laughs> <laughs> it was really just, easy to get over it. I I obviously was had no doubts that Jack Black would be amazing. Yeah, he did phenomenal. The guy who voices Toad really went for it. I think he sounds great. 
Mario barely said anything. So I can't fully judge. But, and neither did Luigi. Like, neither of them said much. No, but he I was went, like, oh, 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 and then he ran away. Neither of like, you really sound like Mario or Luigi from the game. So And we'll I see. wonder if they did that on purpose because they know that's everyone's biggest concern. And so they'd rather wait and make sure that they really nail it down before releasing know. a full really trailer. Do you really think Chris Pratt as Mario no, is going to be all, like, let's go! <laughs> I wish. That is what I would pay money to see. Mamma mia! Like, <laughs> I would, yeah. We didn't even see Peach, right, in the trailer? I don't think you even see Peach. But. No. But to be fair, look at what happened with the Sonic trailer and how it was a nightmare from the abyss and yeah, then everyone then complained they listened and they to fixed us. it. And they so I'm just saying, it. exactly. We don't know if everyone complains enough. Maybe they'll fix the voices. Uh, except you, you, I. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm just. It looks like it could be really good, but. It also looks like it. Could we'll suck. see. Jury's still out. But anyway, we watched that trailer, and then that had uh, Derek got the switch out and turned on Mario Odyssey again, which mm. he and I have both beaten, but. <laughs> Again, Olivia as small at five now. She has a good understanding of the conventions of a lot of games and controls, and so we just turned on the, the like guidance mode or whatever, so she doesn't wander around in circles not knowing where to go next. <laughs> and um, that's the fun part, though. Then uh, and then Addie just is content thinking she's participating, even if she's controller. just holding a controller. So <laughs> that's the classic little sibling thing. Yes. Yeah. I remember doing it to Eric, so... <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> you did Ratchet it to me for a while. on the PlayStation and just giving him a controller that wasn't actually plugged in. <laughs> it's a it's an age-old pastime of youth. The older sibling. That's what you do. Anyway, I digressed, but um, spooky season is upon us. <laughs> Happy spooky season. <laughs> Um, with spooky that, scary skeletons. Spooky scary skeletons send shivers down your spine. Um, and witches. And that is what brought us to today's main event. <laughs> um, which is we are doing Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, not traditionally necessarily like scary, but it's got no, magic in it. There's, so. there's a witch. <laughs> and there's a witch. So... That made it appropriate for October. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, today we are covering House Moving Castle. Before we dive into it, uh, any other announcements or things you want to mention, T? Uh, speaking of Halloween, I just uh, today posted on Instagram with a roundup of all of our kind of Halloween spooky themed episodes. So if you want to get in the mood and... Uh, re-listen or listen to the first time to some spookier episodes you can check that out um and yeah we're posting a lot more on our socials so at tbwd podcast wherever you do social things and <laughs> we're gonna be posting more over there interacting more doing some more polls and surveys of course we always get our faux pause from over there so definitely uh, check that out if you haven't. We also have an email, tbwdpodcast at gmail.com. If you ever want to send us recommendations, full pause through that. Um, if you don't like typing on Instagram, which I get, then you can always send us an email. 
Um, and yeah, I think that that is it for me. Um, next week, obviously, we're going to do our mini-sode. And then the following week, which will be the Halloween week episode, uh, will be The Witches by Road Doll. So that should be really fun to wrap mm-hmm. up spooky season. But I think that's all I have. And I think next week for our mini-sode, because we're doing a, a Hayao Miyazaki film, mm-hmm. uh, we might just talk more about our love for Studio Ghibli films in our oh. next mini-sode. Yes. We love They're them. They're so good. Um, so if you two are a fan of the Studio Ghibli, then that's what you can expect next week. And then, yeah, in two weeks from now, our Halloween episode is The Witches. So, um, yeah, let's just uh, go into it, right? Mm-hmm. Back to classic. We're doing, we're doing it the real way because we finally are back into our rhythm. But um, today we are doing Howl's Moving Castle, which was written by Diana Wynne-Jones, who was a, a British author. Um, so good. Mm-hmm. And House Moving Castle is actually the first book of a trilogy, um, but it was the it was the first one and it was published in 1986. And it's the one that is um, most commonly known from her, like it's her most yeah, popular definitely. book. Um, and a lot of people, even if they don't read the whole series, they all read at least this first one. Um, but yeah, it's called How's Moving Castle. The second one, I believe, is like Castle in the Sky. Yeah, Castle in the Sky. And then the third one has no, no, Castle's not even in the title, so I always forget no. what it's called. <laughs> I don't know. They have a baby. Um, um, Google, tell me, uh, Castle in the Air. Sorry, I got it wrong. It's not Castle oh, in the okay. Sky. It's Castle, Castle in the Air. Castle in the Sky, I think, is a Studio is Ghibli studio film. film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Castle in the Air, which is published in 1990. Um... And then House of Many Ways is the third one. Oh, yes, and yes, yes, it's yes, yes. published in 2008. It's pretty recent. I have not read all of them. I've only read House Moving Castle. I've only read the first one. They're real cute. It's like a rare thing where you have the first book, which is like, you know, they get together and it's romance and it's cute. And then there's like more. And so you see them, you know, get married, have a baby and like live this life. And it's kind of interesting seeing that because you don't see that with a lot of like romance couples. Well, it's so, what it reminds me of, at least from what I can gather, is it reminds me of um, if anybody else has read the Graceling books. Where you see recurring characters and then following books, but you don't have a main protagonist that you follow the entire time. Because what I can gather from this second and third book of the Howl series is that while Howl and Sophie are still there, they're no longer like the main protagonist that the plot is following anymore. Uh, not fully. Uh, the, the second one, I mean, obviously has more about them because they do have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember the third as well. Um, I mean, it's also kind of like, like Bridgerton, you know, how each season focuses on a different romance. 
Yeah, like they're still there, but it's not like Twilight where it's Bella, 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 yeah. Bella, Bella. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I'm going to try and read the other ones now. But um, the other two, to my knowledge, have never been made into movies, but they were at least definitely not made into movies by Studio Ghibli. So no. it really only matters for this episode that we've read the first one. <laughs> um but yeah, so the book was published in 1986, and then the movie came out in 2004. Um, however, it comes out in Japan first. So yeah. I'm not sure. I didn't actually look to see if the English, like the English dubbed version of this movie came out a different year. I didn't even look. Oh. Maybe they both came out in 2004. Let's assume that. I think they would have <laughs> been pretty close. Doesn't Studio Ghibli... They generally the are part, pretty, pretty good plan about that. on doing both Japanese and English basically from the get-go. Generally, yeah, like the more recent ones. Okay, I don't know. This one was early 2000s, so who knows? But anyway, I'll do my little lineup here. So, not super surprising because it is a Studio Ghibli movie. The director was Hayao Miyazaki. I love And him. the screenplay was also done by Hayao Miyazaki. He is a genius. <laughs> yes. Um, you speak Japanese. I don't. So you can correct me on any of these that I say if I, oh, if I totally geez, butcher them. Oh, jeez. This will be fun. But no, this the music was done by Joe. His Saishi. <laughs> so I'm like, definitely still a Japanese guy. But like with the first name, Joe. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Um, the English dubbed casting, like the English voice acting, the casting was done by Ned Lott. And can we just point out Howl is voiced in the English one by Christian Bale, Batman. It's so good, though. It's so great. I just love it. Well, and in general, Gene Simmons does Grandma Sophie, like does That's the true. older Sophie. And, and then Calcifer is um, oh, Billy his? Crystal. Yeah, Billy Crystal. So yeah. funny. And he Emily does a Mortimer great does job. Younger Sophie. Josh Hutcherson is Markle. Oh, yeah. Little baby Jenna Josh Malone Hutcherson. Is Letty. Yeah, they do a great. They did a great job on the English yeah. casting. So. The Japanese uh, version is also very good, but I just we know the English actors better. The names are changed a little bit, obviously, in the Japanese yes. dub. Yes. Than the English dub. The English dub uses the same names from the book. The Japanese no, it one. Not all of them. For the most part, though. Markle? Like, Sophie is the same. Howell is the same. Her sisters, like, her family's Letty. names are all the same. Yeah, Letty's Calcifer the same. Calcifer's the same. Markle Witch is supposed right? to be like, Michael. That's all the same. Whereas in the Japanese one, it's like, Haru. <laughs> and, um... Calcifer is Karushifa, I think. I think that's the one that directs it. But obviously, it's a different language. Like, they got to translate it differently. But. Well, yeah, they, they have a hard time with certain letters, letter combinations. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like with any English dub, though, a lot of them they change the names on. Yeah. Anyways, um, I added one. Because it's an animated film, and I'm probably going to mm. start doing this for other animated ones, too. I also included the art directors. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Because um, I think that that plays a big role in the success of an animated movie. 
Um, and that was, and these are the ones where I'm like, mm, okay, I can do this. Yo, Yoji Takeshige and Noboru Yoshida. That one's easier. But the Takeshige, I think, is the one where I'm like, I might not be saying that right. But. No, the thing about Japanese is it's, it's very phonetic. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm like, Ugh. So it's ta ka shi Yeah. Okay. Because I'm like, listen, I've learned ever since uh, I've been, especially since I've used my Spanish more, because I use my Spanish quite a bit at work now. I try to speak other languages and I end up adding like a Spanish accent to it. I'm like, <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's our little lineup. That's that's our, our team. Um, no complaints. Usually we have some complaints. <laughs> Don't have complaints in this case. So It's so hard and we're going to talk more about this as we go through. But they are so different. Well, while following the same, the same, <laughs> but both being so good. Yeah, it's like it's... this. We knew this episode was going to be one of the hardest ones to do because we love both of them independently so much. But and you I know what? This is another one I thought about, because mm -hmm. when have there been other instances where the, the, I, and of course, I can't think specifically of any examples off the top of my head right now. Uh -huh. But other movie slash books that we've covered where. Um, I mean, sometimes we still absolutely hate the movie, right? Like the um, P.S. I love you one. Like, yeah, that movie was yeah. atrocious. But in other instances, that whole when I don't was... think the movie variation is all that bad. It's usually when I've seen the movie before I read the book. And this is an instance where I saw Howl's Moving Castle before I even knew it was a book. I don't know, though, because I've had other ones that we've done where I have said, yeah, the book is really good. The movie's really good. But I didn't have like a love for either. Yeah. That's Whereas true. this one, I mean, I Howl's Moving Castle is my all time favorite Studio Ghibli film. But Howl's Moving Castle, the book is mm -hmm. one of my all-time favorite books. And so it's like, I love both of them so much independently than when I am, like, in this case, forced to put them against each other. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, no, my babies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one's definitely one of my favorite Studio Ghibli. Mm, it might be tie. Would I consider it a tie? It might be, I might, I might consider it a tie with Spirited Away. Spirited Away is so good. Spirited Away is my number two. So, I mean, I get So, it. I get it. I don't know. My neighbor the, Totoro, like, they just have so many classics. No, sorry. Totoro is low on you my list. You don't like Totoro? Have you watched Kiki's it Delivery recently? Service? I freaking loved higher. Kiki's. I loved Kiki's Delivery Service as a kid. Have you watched Totoro as an adult? Because no, it is not. definitely made for children. You watch okay. it as an adult well, and you get bored. <laughs> I have children, so <laughs> I don't. My dog um, doesn't care. So <laughs> I have to watch the uh, ones that have real storylines. Princess Mononoke. That's a good one. That one's great. I love the cat returns. The cat returns is hilarious. Anyways, mm. we're supposed to be talking about this in the mini. So next week. Sorry. We're, More we're on that next week. <laughs> <laughs> a little taste of what's to come. A little taste of what's to come. But. Uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about it and it's like. 
I think I saw, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other ones. Oh, Ella Enchanted. I watched that movie before I read the book. And so I really like the movie. And then later That's on, fair. when I That's finally read one. the book, I yeah. was like, oh, these are so different. Like, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like you almost hit a threshold of being so different that you can appreciate them independently. Yeah. Where I'm almost like they didn't care. They took this and went their own they direction. Did not it's, care. An, <laughs> it's an interpretation. It's almost not an adaptation. If I'm using English okay, correctly I there. Yeah. Miss English major over here. I can see that. Uh, but I would still what's funny, though, is I would still consider this more um, an adaptation than others that are way more different in there. You know what I mean? Like, like, for example, P.S. I Love You. I'd say that that movie is barely inspired by that book, but they say it's an adaptation. <laughs> Whereas this yeah, we one. Don't, we don't need to get into that one, though. That one was just bad all around. I do think that Howl's Moving Castle, while different, like right now I'm going to give a plot summary. And for the most part, they're going to line up. Yeah, for this plot, basics. this basic plot, it's there in both. So they're both chocolate cakes, but the frosting and decoration are very different. Very different. <laughs> so Howl's Moving Castle follows a uh, main protagonist. Her name is Sophie, and she is set to take on her dad's hat shop, basically her family's hat shop. Um, while this differs a little bit in the book and movie, she crosses the witch of the waste and rubs her the wrong way and so the witch of the waste curses her and makes her even though she's young she's like 19 or something they make her the witch of the waste makes her into like an old crone that's how she's described right she becomes an old woman she starts going by grandma sophie instead so grandma sophie um Obachan. Because that happens, she goes to work for Howl, who is a wizard. Because she's like, cool, I'll work for him. Maybe they'll be able to break my curse. Slash, I'll be able to hide from the Witch of the Waste. Because <laughs> like, I don't want to run into her again, kind of thing. Which is slightly different between the two, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that more. But um, while she's living with Howl... And working there, she grows as a person. She helps Howl to grow as a person. There's like a slow burn romance thrown in there. It's very satisfying. Um, and through one way or another, <laughs> by the end, the Sophie's curse gets broken and um, they live happily ever after. And they defeat the Witch of the Waste, who, again, we'll talk about is different but it's it's it, yeah there's a big difference there because the movie decides to add almost its own separate climax and its own different yeah we're gonna talk about it listen you, you have a whole point on it so we'll get into I have it a point on it so we're gonna talk about it <laughs> um but there's your off the cuff off the top of my head summary haven't you missed those and um just in case you haven't because i feel like a lot of people have seen this movie but have not read the book 
Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I was one of those people for a long time. Mm-hmm. And or if they have read and watched like us, they still enjoyed both. So it's not really a problem. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, a lot of these that we're going to talk about. I'm not mad. I'm just mad pointing it. out differences. Not mad about it. Yep. Anywho. Um, okay. So listen. We kind of hated everything about the last series we did. So when we finished the Divergent series, we did not follow our usual thing. So we're just kind of starting fresh this week. <laughs> and so I'm just going to go first. Do we know who went first last? Not really. I don't remember. This is just what we're doing. So we're back to our 3-2-1 grievance and or anti-grievance, as it will most likely be in this case. Um setup or whatever plan so my number three is i just kind of wrote down world building so again across the book in the movie you have a lot of similarities right where howl still has the magic door that opens up into the different kingdoms right he's got and he's known by a different name in each one right like that exists but the um Combat? That's not the word I'm looking for. Conflict. Conflict, yeah. Conflict and war that's going on in the movie. Not a present um, plot point. There we go. I'll use that word. Sorry, I have had a migraine all day, so my brain is not functioning correctly. But um, that that's not there. That's That's an added thing that the movie did where they added this war and that kind of violence that's happening. Not present in the books. Um, and I feel like that definitely shapes the world building a little bit and how you perceive it when you're reading the book versus when you're watching the movie. I think for what it's worth, they in integrated it in the movie successfully into a plot point and that it, it doesn't seem totally just like thrown in there because they use it as an additional way to push Howell's character development and to add some drama for sure <laughs> yeah that too but I think in my opinion the that additional conflict adds that pressure because this remains true across the book in the movie how will do how will will work so hard to not have to work <laughs> like he will do whatever he can to avoid obligations like that's there so i think in the movie they were like okay well what's a way to like really flip that on its head and that characteristic about him and using sophie to force him to do to to face it. and it's it happens in the book in a different way right yeah very different. But um, it's just I you view the world differently because they're they're not at war. There's not giant war balloons and blimps and bombings and things that are affecting the setting and what you're seeing in your mind when you read the book versus it definitely shapes the world and how the characters interact with it in the movie. Is that a grievance or an anti-grievance? I don't know. 
<laughs> it's a statement of fact. It's a statement of a difference between the two. <laughs> and that's what this podcast is really about. The differences. So that's a difference that I noticed. It's one of the main ones, I think. So I put it as my number three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, there is no war in the book. And so, like, I mean, it is a huge decision to add into the movie. Like, mm -hmm. that's a big thing. And I'll admit, the first few times I watched Howl's Moving Castle, because I was pretty young, I was so confused by all the war bits. Because I didn't really understand what was going on. They don't really address it too much. Because it's like you're coming in midway Mid through this thing. Yeah, like it it's was like it's been happening. So I was always it has a something to do off. with the missing prince, which is present in the book as well as the movie. No, there's no missing prince in the book. Yes, there is. Yeah, but he's not the he's not the scarecrow though. No, but it's a missing prince. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm like, he's not. Again, it's not they, like do he's different, they do different things. They go different directions I know. with the missing prince, but it's there. <laughs> but there's no war around the no, missing prince. So it was always, no yeah, war. it was always confusing. So I will admit when I read the book, I was like, oh. I'm collecting cups at my desk, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> Um, so yeah, when I read the book and I was like, oh, there's no war. Oh, this is so much easier to follow. <laughs> yeah. So I will say that's like one pro of that part of the book. But the movie, I will admit, those scenes are like so gorgeously animated. <laughs> so. Take it, take that as you will. Um, I'll go into my number three. Um. Mm -hmm. Which is, I'm adding a part. I'm just going to say, like, there's a few side characters that I want to talk about. Uh, mainly Sophie's sisters and then Markle slash Michael. Because mm -hmm. there are some really big changes with these characters. Um, one, uh, there's two sisters in the book. There is mm -hmm. Martha and Letty. Letty's the middle child. Martha's the youngest. So Sophie is the, the oldest. oldest of three, which in the universe of the book is like a curse to be the oldest of three, essentially. And it's saying like you're screwed for life. It's um, like it follows classic, classic fairy tale tropes, which yeah. in classic fairy tale tropes, it's like if you're the oldest child and there's more than just like one or two of you, like. You're the one that's not going to live a great life. Sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so that's obviously a big thing, like with the way that Sophie acts, because essentially since she was a child, she was told like, oh, you're the oldest of three. Bummer. You're going to have a sad life. Like, <laughs> of course, she's going to be a little more bummed out and a bit more like um, reserved. And like she just kind of resigns herself to working at the hat shop. Like she's just and like, doesn't have maybe the best self-confidence and maybe yeah. it's like, who cares what I look like? It doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting married. That's what my sisters mm -hmm. are there for. Um, so Letty and Martha, Letty. Um, so and I guess also they don't mention her father in the movie at all. But um, the book they, does. They do. They very might mention briefly him, in the beginning. but yeah, they don't very really briefly in the beginning. In the book, just in the he sense dies. that he owned this, just in the sense that he's yeah, the one that originally he, owned, he the, owned hat the hat shop. shop. But he's dead. And so it's just her stepmom who mm -hmm. you see the stepmom in the movie, but 
And she's kind of similar where she's kind of like very, what's the word? Flouncy? No. Uh, <laughs> vain? <laughs> yeah, vain, over the top. Um, and so when uh, Sophie's dad dies, the stepmom realizes she can't afford to have three kids in the house. So she sends one to, she sends Letty to the bakery, which is accurate in the movie. They show Letty mm-hmm. working at the bakery. And then they send Martha to train with a witch. And something that find, you find later in the book is that they use like a body swapping spell. And so Martha is now in Letty's body and Letty is now in Martha's body because Letty wants to be challenged as a witch and Martha just wants to get married. And she raves about it's true in the bakery. She does get a bunch of proposals. Yep. But it's actually like in the movie, they show that. But in the book, it's Martha in Letty's body. It's kind of confusing. I know. But it does does become an important, so to speak, um, plot thread. um, Because mom is calling me. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, mom, you're have you'll have to wait. I'm like, uh, wait. Okay. Um, because, uh, with Markle, who is actually Michael in the book, who is 15 years old when Sophie shows up at the castle, not a nine-year-old boy. I was going to say, he's definitely younger in the movie. Yeah. But that adds to his, like... His charm. His, like, his boyish, boyishness. like... I need yeah. a mother figure. <laughs> yeah. And like Sophie really like definitely steps up in more of a, oh, this poor child. Let me take care of this mm-hmm. child. Whereas in the book, it's like this 15 year old boy needs to be taught some life oh, lessons. lessons. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me smack him straight. And so. Um, and then um, if I'm remembering this correctly. Because I read this book really quick through, so I. I'm trying to remember exactly how it happens, but one of Sophie's sisters, Martha, who's training with the witch, Michael falls in love with. And there's like a whole plot line with that. Which obviously they don't cover that in the movie at all because Markle is a nine year old boy. So and she doesn't even have a sister named Martha in the movie. So that whole storyline just got cut, which I understand. Short movie, press for time, can't cover everything. Because well, yeah, he I goes s- to the bakery all the time, right? No, it's... Yeah. I, I he, thought it was the witch. He often goes to the bakery in market chipping. Is it? Is it? <laughs> I get confused because so they So he falls swap. in love with Martha, but it's not... He doesn't know it's, it's Martha, Martha in because Letty's it's Letty's body. body. <laughs> yeah, it gets so confusing. <laughs> But it is a cute storyline to to wrap all this confusion up. If you haven't read the book, you really should. Um, It'll make more sense than my blabbering. But it's a cute storyline. And I thought it was really sweet. I loved that storyline when I first read the book. And even every time that I read it since. Just because it's fun. to I love a good side character romance in any book, movie, show, whatever it may be, give me a good main character romance and a good side character romance. 10 out of 10. Love that. 
So to have all that kind of cut out of the movie was a bit of a bummer. Understandable. I wouldn't say I'm mad, but I just, you know, was a little bummed. And that's why it's my number three. And there we go. Alrighty. So obviously things are different across the book and the movie also with some of the main characters like the Witch of the Waste. Cool. Yeah. And there's differences and I might not even explain this entirely correctly. So you might have to help me. Okay. But the main thing for me is that what remains the same is yes, the Witch of the Waste is quote unquote a jilted ex-lover. Yes. In the sense that in both the movie and the book, she was not entirely honest with Howell about who she was or how old she was and things. Um, because Howell is in his 20s. He's not like a 100 years old, but using magic to make himself look younger. He is actually a wizard only in his 20s. Like, whereas the Witch of the Waste is at least in her 60s. Don't know exactly how old she is, but you know she's got to be at least older than 50 because the late King of the Waste did banish her 50 years before the story starts. Meaning she's much older. But when they have their little tryst thing, she's disguised as a beautiful young woman. And then when Howell discovers that, that's when he like hightails it out of there. And she curses him while he's hightailing it out of there. That's pretty much the same. That part at least. The very basics, yeah. The very basics of it. However, in the book, there's a whole other character that you don't see in the movie, which is the this Miss Angorian. Mm-hmm. Who ends up being the Witch of the Wastes fire demon. In disguise. <laughs> yeah, it's. And. <laughs> like it's this is this part's where it gets a little confusing and also I watched the movie more recently than I read the book and so that's also confusing me a little bit so I'm trying to explain this correctly it's hard to keep them separate sometimes in my brain but it's like um okay so <laughs> the witch this is where the, the it, okay so instead of Howell needing to rescue Sophie from like that meeting with the king's head sorceress person. Sophie does Solomon. get tricked. Solomon, yes. Sophie does get tricked into being kidnapped by the Witch of the Waste in the book. Mm-hmm. And that kind of pushes Howell to not be a coward. And this is how Michael knows that like, oh, he actually cares about her because he's going and he also didn't take two hours to get ready beforehand like and in doing so am i gonna explain this correctly so yeah so sophie's lured into the trap because she thinks she's saving miss angorian from the witch of the waste or something like that but miss angorian was always working with the witch of the waste because she was actually the witch's fire demon in disguise however 
And then this is the creep, like the kind of creepy part, right? Where the Witch of the Waste and Miss Sangorian, the devil, they never give the real name of this fire demon. So we just continue to call her Miss Sangorian, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or fire demon two. <laughs> fire de- demon, demon number two, not, not Calcifer. Um, yes. They were, they're attempting to create the perfect human. <laughs> yeah, the perfect mate. And so it was, and that's why they wanted Howell to so badly, because they used that missing prince, Prince Justin oh, yes, in the book. Yes, it's a different yes, prince, yes, yes. but missing nonetheless. And they were going to fuse the prince with this other wizard. Wizard Solomon, which complete, is funny because yes, his name is Solomon. They did use that name. Different person in the movie from the book, but they used the same name. And they are going to complete their perfect specimen human mate person by using Howell's head. Mm-hmm. So it takes like a very Frankenstein turn. <laughs> it does. But also it's like they do kill the witch. Right? Like Howell shows up to save Sophie and kills the witch, but learns that like that's not going to stop anything because Miss Angorian, the fire demon person, was really pulling the strings the whole time. <laughs> and so what they have to do. And so then the part in the movie where it's like the witch of the waste is like, oh, Calcifer has Howell's heart and like grabs it. Yeah. It happens in the book, but it's not the witch of the waste who goes to grab Howell's heart. It's this other fire demon that goes to grab yeah. Howell's heart. Um, but then Sophie who has magic in the book, doesn't have magic in the movie, saves Cal, saves everything by using this magic ability that she has of bringing things to life through talking to them. Yeah, I'll get into right? that. Yeah, Taylor's going to talk more about that. Um, but it's just very, very different play of events. And the Witch of the Waste ends up not even being that bad of a, like, not even like the main antagonist. She was like a puppet all along with the strings being pulled anyway from a different fire demon. There's another fire demon, apparently. Kind of. I mean, to be fair, it's not all the fire demon. Like, the Witch of the Waste also was not like, great. Yeah. But at some point, the fire demon had kind of like overtaken more. Yeah. That's how yeah. I understood it. Yeah, it's also interesting to note, like, when the Witch of the Waste, like, she is a, a interesting character in the book because I mentioned the Scarecrow a little bit before. There is a Scarecrow in the book. Turniped? <laughs> but it's not Turniped, it's... So the... Because, like, the spare parts of those other bodies become... A scarecrow, a skull, and a man who can change into a dog. Which you're yeah, like... It's, um, it's a little weird. All right. A little creepy. Pookie pants. Which uh, then you see, like, the scarecrow who is actually the prince in the movie. And you see the dog who's, like, the henchman. And you're like, okay, I can kind of see where they, like, took those pieces. And, and made it less creepy. Yeah. Because it's an animated movie aimed at children. Like. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I can see that. But then it is nice that they like somehow with Howell and Sophie's magic combined, essentially put the prince and the other dude back together. 
Which, when you really think about it, is ugh. Yeah, so, um, again, is this a full grievance against the movie? I don't know. <laughs> I think they made necessary choices because it's an animated Studio Ghibli film. Yeah, I'm like, I get it. Really cool storyline when it's written out and you don't actually have to put it on a screen, right? And, like, figure out how that would look because it wouldn't look great. <laughs> Very Frankenstein. Again, which adds to our spooky theme, but... Yes. Yes, not it does. Great for, the, not great for children. The book is, is definitely spookier. But, yeah. I mean, it is a book, so it's not like you're physically seeing it. So it's like... Yeah. You can kind of glance over it, but I can understand in a movie, it it would be terrifying. Yeah. But anyways, that's my number two. Great. Uh, my number two, and it's it's hard. I'm gonna try to keep my number two and my number one separate because they both have to do with Sophie and Howell. But my number two, I specifically want to talk about their romance and the romantic aspect of their relationship. Um, specifically, uh, let's, how do I even phrase this? <laughs> the thing with the book is the book is from Sophie's point of view. So you're mainly seeing Sophie's thoughts and her mm -hmm. perspective. And Sophie's pretty stubborn in the book. And so you don't really see a ton of romance really until the end of the book no it's a slow burn it's a very subtle slow burn too i feel like you almost have to read the book a couple times before you really see those nuances which i mean diana did a great job with that mm -hmm. but the movie on the other hand since it's third person you're seeing that a lot more like you can physically see the way that howl like looks at her like peeks in at her and like the cute little romantic moments in the movie that you wouldn't see in the book um right. so i will say that is one nice thing about the movie is you kind of get a bit more from howl than you do in the book um that being said um in the book they argue a lot more <laughs> and this is where i'm gonna try to not you know, talk too much about their characters, but like Sophie is a lot more stubborn in the book, a lot more outspoken. And so her and Howell clash a lot more. And mm -hmm. that leads to more arguments between the two of them, which are pretty funny, actually. They're comedic. They're definitely there for entertainment purposes. Yeah. But that's definitely very uh, different than the movie. I feel like in the movie... They have like a couple of disagreements, mm -hmm. but they really overall, they don't. Well, but again, also the movie has a runtime of how yeah. long, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not mad. Everything. It's got a runtime of comments on differences. An hour. Actually, it is a two hour long movie. It's an hour and 59 minutes. Yeah. But that runtime includes credits, I think, which are lengthy on an animated film. So, yeah. Um, and then I will say one really sweet thing that happens in both is the flower shop with like the flowers and everything. Um, that's they both 
have a flower shop. The thing that you don't really get in the movie as much is like that that was kind of Sophie's dream. Like in the book, she mentions how she always like dreamed of opening a flower shop and mm -hmm. having flowers. And they kind of mention it in the movie, but I feel like I didn't it didn't hit as hard. Whereas in the book, you're like, oh, my goodness, you got a flower shop for her because she loves flowers. She wants a flower shop. It's like really sweet. And it is super sweet in the movie, too. I just feel like the significance of it is a little bit toned down. Right. Um, and then obviously with the war and the war not happening in the book, like there are some scenes in the movie one of my favorite scenes when Hal stops the bomb from hitting the flower shop and she runs up and he hugs her and it's like just such a beautiful adorable scene it's just like so dramatic but they're so cute I love that scene doesn't happen in the book at all <laughs> um but it's just a different kind of romance I would say between the two um I'm trying to think if there's anything else I really want to mention on this point. But everything else I want to say, I think, would ease go too much into my first point. So <laughs> um, I'll just say the last thing I'll mention about the romance is um, there's a big difference at the end. And the ending of both the book and the movie are super cute. I love them both. Um but in the movie, you know, the classic line, um, like, Sophie, your hair looks like starlight. It's beautiful. Do you think so? So do I. And then she kisses him and it's super cute. But in the, the book, Sophie doesn't have gray hair. She has red hair. And she well, keeps the red hair at even the end. In, even in the movie, she starts out with the wrong colored hair. With brown hair. Like mousy brown hair. And also, again, this is something that... I'm going to talk about a little bit in my number one, but um, Sophie doesn't have like this inferiority complex in the book where she like thinks she's ugly. <laughs> no. So. Um, anyways, and so obviously that's very different, but I love the end of the book and I have the quote that would almost be like the same where Hal says, would you call your hair ginger? Uh, red gold, Sophie said. Not much had changed about Hal that she could see. Now he had his heart back, except maybe that his eyes seemed a deeper color, more like eyes and less like glass marbles. Unlike some people, she said, it's natural. I've never seen why people put such a value on things being natural, Hal said. And Sophie knew, Sophie knew then that he was scarcely changed at all. And I just thought that was really cute because it's like, you know, she gives his heart back and mm -hmm. she doesn't know what's going to happen. She doesn't know if it'll change him. And... In the movie, you know, they say like, oh, my chest hurts. It's so heavy. Heart's a heavy burden and stuff. <laughs> Which but it's is like, funny. It's, it's funny. And clever. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> But I just I love the way that it's like Sophie's focus at the end of the book is that Howell's still the same. It's still the same man yeah. that she fell in love with. And he's still funny and whimsical and they're just adorable together. And I love them, but I love them in both. And that's what makes it really hard. I think the basis of their relationship still is still there. Yes. Yes. In both. Yeah. But I do like almost like the 
like there's that whole scene in the movie, right, where she's like um, trying to find out what his curse is, right, and trying to figure out how to save it. Again, very different in the movie from the book, mm-hmm. but where she learns more about Howell's. In the book, you learn about Howell's childhood because, like, they go to Wales. That's one of the doors. Like, yeah. Um. In, in the movie, it's she time more, travels. She time travels a little bit, like, <laughs> but it's like fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that's a really pretty scene. It's done beautifully. Oh yeah, it's not anywhere in the book whatsoever. But, but that scene in the field scene. with the falling stars and like the dancing stars and everything. Mm-hmm. And then she falls through the hole back into the present time. And she's like, I know how to help you now. <laughs> like, <laughs> find me in the future. And then um, he does. He does find her in the mm-hmm. future. That's why he says, I've been and looking everywhere so, for you. It's so cute. It's so cute. And like, it's so clever and cute. Like, it's so well done, even though it's, it's not so good how it happened in the book. So you can't not like, be all. mad about it. I mean, I guess you can, but I don't know why you would be so mad about They're it. They're both great. That's what's hard. Anyways, so. um, we can move on to honorable mentions. I mean, um, we've already mentioned quite a few honorable mentions, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you mentioned one in passing. Howell is originally from Wales in the book, like from yep. our world. Yeah, um, he's like, yeah. <laughs> he found a magic different. door. That took him to this other world. And so the black in the book, like, you know, how the door has the different ones. There's mm-hmm. a black one that takes him back to Wales. Whereas Which in the movie. Like a different place. like Yeah. It's like a different universe. I don't know how to explain. I don't know. Multiverse <laughs> of men. No. <laughs> in the movie, obviously, that black door goes to like. I don't know his inner darkness. I don't <laughs> hard to fully say. It's it's hard to yeah. <laughs> that was one that I had written down. Yeah, I guess I have already mentioned quite a few of these. I'm like a lot of mine I've mentioned just in Sophie talking. has red hair. Yeah, she looks totally different. Um, Howell looks pretty much the same. Um, the only difference is he doesn't end up with black hair. Well, but also, actually, I would say something is that Howell is actually described as not being like super attractive, but he's made to be more attractive just because he's charming. Yes. <laughs> Whereas I think in the in the but movie, hey, they still they do a great job in the movie, though, <laughs> conventionally attractive, especially by giving him the voice of Christian Bale. Yeah, so. that really helped. <laughs> Um, but he doesn't end up with black hair after the whole incident in the bathroom. He has like red and gold streaks in his blonde hair, essentially. That's Sophie, it. I'm hideous. <laughs> that scene, though, is in both the book and the movie. And, is and it's an so amazing funny. scene. And it's so good. And I'm so glad it's included in both. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I we can just mention Howell doesn't become a bird. In the book, there's no, but that's, that's the whole thing. That's that's a part of the whole war yeah. thing that they added to the movie. But like the whole idea of like Calcifer being like, you know, you got to be careful. Like you change, then you'll never be able to turn back. And I, I, I feel like it was almost like a physical like symbol of how like 
giving into the darkness and losing his humanity. Mm-hmm. Which I understand in a children's movie, that's a lot easier to understand, like physically seeing that. Yep. Whereas in the book, it's a lot more just like subtle. You've got exposition. You can use words. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the whole bird thing, yeah, it doesn't exist in the book at all. I mean, there's uh, lots of other subtle differences. And we've yeah. also talked about a lot. There's a lot of characters. There are. Um, and again, with those characters, like additional storylines, like I didn't mention this, but the whole reason why Sophie goes to try and save Miss Angorian is because she thinks that that's who Howell is interested in. Yes. And like she's so stubborn. Oh, man. And so she thinks, like, I'm going to go do him a favor. (laughs) Bless her. Bless um, her. And she doesn't know what she's going to do. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, just in talking about everything, we've talked about a lot of the differences that I had. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We can go into uh, number ones then. All righty. My number one is actually going to be probably pretty succinct compared to everything else I've talked about. (laughs) And that is, and this is an anti-grievance, very specifically, because this is actually something that I think is an awesome change that they made in the movie. Mm. Sophie breaks her own curse. Yeah. In the book, Calcifer does break her curse for her. In like as part of the deal where it's like, yep, you broke the curse on me and Howl, so I will now live up to my end of the bargain and I will break the curse on you. That's how it happens in the book. In the movie, Sophie breaks her own curse by and, and granted. There's some parts of the curse that are different, right? Because like like we mentioned in the book, She is a little bit more outspoken. She is a little bit more confident. She doesn't have this deep insecurity about what she looks like in comparison to her sister. But I still really like the message of breaking the curse on your own. Like she breaks the curse herself through her own strength and through overcoming her own insecurities and just being like, great, this is me now. And I'm pretty and I'm beautiful the way I am. And I'm confident in my abilities and blah, blah, right? Like she breaks it herself, which is great. I think that that message is really nice. It. Especially when it comes to like. Moral of the story kind of thing. And the movie is targeted towards children. And the book is also it's. It's not like a children's book, but it's definitely for younger kids. I don't know if it would be considered YA or um, like a middle school grade, like a middle grade novel. I don't know what it would. I would say it's YA. Okay. But like either way, like that's a nice message to kind of be yeah. it's not oh, yeah. spelled out for you, but to still have that be present. Um, that's my number one. I was just like, that's a, a pretty major change that I really like that the movie made. And Doesn't I'll just make like me a s- dislike the book in any way. No, it's no, just, no. 
something I really liked about the movie. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just make a small comment with that. Um, how I talked about the bird kind of showed was like a, a symbolic mm -hmm. of I feel like that. Um, I mean, yes, Sophie is a lot more confident in the book, but she does uh -huh. have a character arc and character growth. And I feel like the movie used um, that aging to show character growth in Sophie. Mm -hmm. It's like the bird was for Hal as the aging was for Sophie. And I think that it's a very clever tool um, that mm -hmm. they used in the movie. And uh, so, yeah, I would agree. I thought that I was really cute. I always loved that part of the movie. I was always like, oh, look, when she gets confident, she turns young and she just needs to believe in herself. Yep. So I'd say, yeah, I'd say that's a good point. Yeah, that's my whole number one. So great. <laughs> well, mine's a bit more in depth because I'm going to talk all about the differences of book Sophie and movie Sophie and book Howl, movie Howl. Though I will say Howl's much more similar. The only mm -hmm. thing I'll say about Howl that they really did is with the whole war thing, obviously in the movie. And again, I get it for a children's one. You don't really want to womanize her going after a bunch of women the whole time. Yeah. Uh, Not that it stops other children's animated TV shows and things yeah. from including that but but brock from pokemon anyone um yeah <laughs> but it was a different vibe uh, miyazaki's got a different vibe and so in the book the, since there's no war and everything Hal's big thing is that he just loves women and he loves dressing up and going and playing guitar and it's like getting them to swoon for him and then as soon as they start to fall in love with him he runs away and he never talks to them again yep <laughs> um, so that's the biggest difference for Howl, I would say. And obviously, like, he doesn't end up with black hair physically and he's not quite as conventionally attractive, but he's very charming and all of that in the book. Um, mm. But those are the main things. I, I think he's at the core. His character was kept pretty much the same. He is maybe a bit more dramatic, I would even say, in the book than he is in the movie if that's if you can believe it yes yeah he's even more dramatic, more dramatic. <laughs> like that tantrum in the movie is probably the most dramatic that you see howl in the book i don't know he's got a couple other spots where he is just and if not more dramatic <laughs> bless him um and then sophie there's of course the big differences uh like physically there's differences, you know, she's supposed to have ginger hair. She's not supposed to have brown hair, which in and of itself, I feel like changes the character drastically. Like when you think of a, you a can't red be, hair, like you can't be some blend into the wall. No, it's, it's going to make you stand likely. out. There's not as many people in the world with red hair. Like, yeah. um, she is much more blunt about her opinions she's stubborn uh she wants more in life and when she finds out from her sister that her stepmom is taking advantage of her she doesn't just like taking it take it lying down she's not like oh i just have to stay at the hat shop the rest of my life because it was dad's and he would have wanted me to and oh mm -hmm. it was me it's like no she's like hey this is stupid 
Like, you're not even paying me. Why am I doing like She doesn't take it lying down, which I liked. Um, and then the major thing is Book Sophie's magic. She has magic. Um, she will talk to the hats as she's making them. And then whatever, whoever buys that hat, like, she'll be like, you are going to, like, get bought by a lady who's going to meet the man she's going to marry and in this hat and blah, blah, blah. And then that like, she actually She doesn't happens. realize she's magic. She's not doing any no. of it on purpose. Yeah. Like. But she just talks to the hats and it's like, and then it actually all comes true. It's like she imbues her magic into the items. Same with the scarecrow comes to life because she talks to it and then she's terrified of it and hates it. But she has this magic that she's not fully aware of. And that's why Calcifer, when they meet, he's like, oh, there's something different about you. You mm -hmm. could probably actually help me break my curse. Like, it's there's more to that relationship with Calcifer. Hey, stick around. Yeah, I'll let you on. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and then throughout the, the like, conflicts, you know, she goes to Miss Angora to save her. She's like, I'm just going to do it myself because Howell's not doing anything. And she's like, I'm gonna do it myself and then she's able to use a strong independent woman who don't need no yes. man <laughs> yes and then she uses her magic as well to like help in those situations and so i understand Remind me, does she ever realize until yes, towards the she's end told um i thought she kind of figured i think she kind of figures it out i don't know if she like accepts it fully okay I can't remember. Or it's like she's got like a suspicion that yeah. like maybe she can do it. But until somebody else is outright like, do you realize you can do this thing? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and I understand in the movie they wanted something different. But it is a bit sad to see Sophie's character totally changed. And obviously I loved Sophie as a character before I read the book. But I think after I read the book, I kind of liked that Sophie a little bit more. And I think maybe it's just because I liked that she stood up for herself a bit more. Or maybe I liked the magic aspect of it. Um, I would say I see myself more in movie Sophie. And I definitely, as a child, I was like, oh, look, someone else who just... <gasps> Doesn't want to <laughs> confront anything. Um, but I don't know. I And I think when you look at um, Diana Wynne-Jones's, uh, her story, like her history, she was the oldest of three girls. And so she... Let's be real. This happens frequently. Authors can't help it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So your she, trauma ends up in yeah. your books. It just <laughs> She does. wrote this book because she didn't feel like she could be the main character in a story. She felt like she always had to be the responsible one in the background, whatever it may be. And specifically wrote Sophie as this character that she felt she could never be. But she wanted Sophie to be the main character, even as the oldest of three. And so you really see that, I think, in the character. Um, you see in the book, like, oh, yeah, this is like if I had to think of the perfect like representation, I think of what a lot of women want. I think the book Sophie is a great representation of that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think I'll wrap it up there. But um, 
And I just loved the scenes in the book of Sophie talking to the hats, to be honest. And I do wish that they had put that in the movie. That would be like my only grievance. Even if it wasn't magic, I just thought it was so cute and fun and quirky. No, yeah, I, I did like that part a lot. Yeah, so that would be my only grievance part of any of what I've said. So there you go. That's my number one. Just the changes to Sophie and Howell's character, obviously, as the protagonist and the male lead, they're pretty important characters. So to see the differences was pretty interesting. But that is all I have to say. Well, there you have it. Um, I know we have one faux pas. So say before we get to our age old question. I know we've got at least the one. I was going to check Facebook really quick. Because I always forget that we do have people that do respond and answer yes. on, on Facebook. Yes. Nope, I think we just have the one, which doesn't surprise me. Because, again, I think a lot of people who have seen the movie didn't know there was a book or just mm -hmm. haven't read it. Mm -hmm. And those that have enjoy both so they and, yeah they don't want to say an ill thing about either comment but i will take this opportunity to say this even if it's you can you can share positives with us too fan faux pas don't just have to be grievances right and things that bugged you if i know there's something about a movie adaptation the word faux pas would imply that it's a, a bad thing but. i know but we just said that because it rolls off the tongue it's catchy fan faux pas. it's catchy <laughs> We have to be catchy. Um, so. So, yeah, if you can, if you have good things to say or nice favorite moments in movie adaptations, like we can share those, too. Don't hesitate to share that stuff with us. Also, we'll read it, too. We might agree that. I mean, no, I won't say no movie. Rarely does a movie adaptation have no redeeming qualities. Sometimes Rarely. they have no redeeming qualities. There's a couple. <laughs> There's a couple. Um, but yeah, just throwing that out there. Because, yeah, we just have the one. So do you want to read that, Tay? Oh, uh, I can. I oh, don't, don't have, have it pulled, pulled up. up? Okay, I thought you kidding. had it pulled up. <laughs> okay, I can read it. I have it pulled up. <laughs> okay. It's easy for me to switch at least. Do, 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 do. Alrighty. I mean, we have multiple comments on the post, but you always get those people who are like, awesome, share it on this other yeah. account. Promote <laughs> like, it here. Yeah. So we've got one. This is from Lone Wolf Lit on, um, on Instagram. I believe her name is Maria. So Maria says, while I do love both the book and the movie, same, um, I almost have to treat them like they are separate entities because yes. they are so different. <laughs> the movie misses out on some great moments, scenes that reveal where Hal comes from, the side stories of Hal's, of, not Hal's, of Sophie's sisters, and some of the really funny antics that Hal gets up to that drive Sophie crazy. Not to mention how different the ending is. However, in the film, I do love the interactions between the residents of the moving castle and Sophie and how much love there is between them. No. So I think all great points. And and yeah, honestly, we compared them in this episode, but I think we do almost measure them as separate entities. To, I, I have to I have to them. separate them in my brain because I love them both too much. 
So, um, but thank you for sharing. Um, and again, if anybody else wants to share their thoughts on any future books or movies, um, our social media is the easiest place to do that, which is TBWB podcast on either Facebook or Instagram um, or Twitter, if that's your thing. Um, or you can email your thoughts to us at tbwbpodcast at gmail.com. So um, now, now <laughs> comes the age old question, which oh, again yeah. will be very difficult to answer in this instance. But was the book better? Don't make me choose. <laughs> I'm going to say no. It was not better. I think they are but equally it's not great. Worse. <laughs> they are on equal footing in my brain. As long as you differentiate them as separate entities. <laughs> yeah. I love so many parts of both. Like the music of the movie. Like obviously that's not something you can get from the book, but the music is so gorgeous. Like their theme song, The Merry Go Round of Life, I learned to play that on the guitar. I love so that song pretty. so much. Yeah, that's so, Joe Hirashi or whatever. Joe Hisaishi, sorry. Music guy. Yeah, good job. Music guy. <laughs> Great job. The I mean it's it's Miyazaki. Like he it, it, the watercolor he makes, backgrounds. He makes, he makes masterpieces. Some of like those there's the scene at the beginning with the castle and the clouds coming through. That scene's gorgeous. The scene of all the flowers in the field also gorgeous it's just like you mentioned the scene of how as a child with the like shooting star it's just they're so pretty and obviously with the book it's only as pretty as I can imagine mm -hmm. and I am not Miyazaki level imagination <laughs> so he outdid oh me on that one for sure this episode's long I just realized how long it is Okay. We have a lot of feelings <laughs> about this. I did not think we would talk this much about it because we like both things. I didn't but they're so different. Oh, okay. Well. Um, well, if you stay till the end, thanks. thanks. You're the real MVP. Um, please, if you enjoy our show, like, rate, and review or whatever. Subscribe. People are supposed to say at the end of these things. Um, but thanks for tuning in. Um, let us know if you agree with our interpretations on Instagram and whatnot. Um, but again, next week, just because our love for Studio Ghibli runs deep, we will just talk more about Studio Ghibli for our mini-sode. And then you can join us for The Witches for the episode right before Halloween for our, our technically our that'll be our Halloween special, even though it will not be released on Halloween. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think that that covers everything. So mm -hmm. thank you for tuning in and we hope that you have a great week and don't forget to read. <laughs>